Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Good friend of the program, Tony Jones is back in the building. Tony, what's going on, man? It's been too long, Sam. Well, you have like kids and shit. Like you've like actual household duties that you end up having to. I do have kids. I, I guess you have to like prioritize your children over me. I mean, whatever. My kids have better lives than I do. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like my 17 year old, she gets up this morning. She's like, Dad, can you uh, can can you cash at me twenty dollars? Why? It's nine o'clock in the morning. Well, me and Dylan, we're going to brunch. We're doing brunch. She said we're doing brunch. Like the little girl is 17 years old and she's talking about doing brunch. Like and she's like, and I need just a little bit of extra cash flow. So can you just cash at me twenty dollars? <laughs> and I was just like, Okay, I'll give you twenty dollars. And like five minutes later, like I heard the door slam. Like, so she was actually like, you know what I mean? She, out the she door. actually went out. She did out the door, did a brunch. She had her sunglasses on at 9 a.m. And I was just like, what is this? And it's it's like, not so, brunch yeah. if it's 9 a.m. It's breakfast. You're going to breakfast. Come on now. I mean, whatever she wants to call it or whatever, <laughs> whatever, like she she wants to characterize it as that. That's what she did. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting here. Uh, scanning scanning my fantasy because I need another kicker because Tristan Vizcaino was on on a bye week and and I'm I'm waiting for uh NFL red zone to come on and she's doing brunch. So yeah, she has a better life than I do. I, I had a uh, I had a miracle comeback in fantasy this week because of Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin and Khalil Herbert. So I'm uh, I'm pretty happy. The the dynasty league that I'm in with my college boys is strong. And then I'm like also just like demolishing and dump trucking the college basketball fantasy writers league that I'm in. So it's uh it's it's been the best fantasy season for your boy and probably uh probably ten years. We're just rolling right along. This is the worst fantasy team I've ever had. Oh god. Like I'm getting I'm getting beat by fifty plus every week. I'm one in six or whatever. I'm one for the season. I'm not gonna win a game another game. Um yeah. I've it's just been a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, you're having a tough time then. You're having a real tough time. I'm I'm having a really tough time. And and I take real pride in my fantasy team every year and and my the league that i have with you know my childhood friends is 12 of us it's a 12 team league ppr league and it's a hundred dollars every year to get in so you know the the winner the winner gets a thousand the winner of the regular season gets two two hundred and you know my my nickname in the league is called uh, my nickname is the donor Oh God, that's a disaster! So, 
yeah that's that's my nickname the donor like i just donate a hundred dollars every year eh, um there are worse things to do than spending a hundred bucks to hang out with your friends even virtually yeah but i mean it's uh, i mean usually i mean the last three or four years i've been good enough like i've gone to the playoffs like I've been competitive, but this year I'm not competitive and, and it's just really killing me. It's just been a disaster. Well, speaking of non-competitive, I, I got to start uh, our basketball conversation talking about the, the team that you saw opening night for the Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, what a, what a non-competitive team, but as I ask everyone who comes on this podcast, I mean, you got to see Alexei Pokashevsky live. I mean, what a what a human. Uh, what were your impressions of Pokashevsky? He didn't do anything against the Jazz. <laughs> he really didn't, did he? But it's it's like, the experience is just he, seeing someone that skinny, that gangly, doing what he does on the court, which is like the weirdest game possible. And just getting to see that in it, person. Poku, what a what a character. I didn't so they didn't run anything for him. I didn't know. I didn't know what they were running. Like they weren't really running anything all game. Um, you know, it was basically like you know SGA and Lou. You know, throwing something up, and maybe the ball swings to Basley in the corner, and he attacks a closeout. Maybe Favors gets an offensive rebound, and he tries to finish or a dump off, and he tries to finish something like that. But like you know, like they weren't really running any anything. Like they've they've got to find an identity, and it, it was. You know, when Poku was when Poku got on the floor, it was basically like he was just basically doing cardio. <laughs> you know, the last thing that man needs is cardio too. He needs he needs weight room. My he man was he was just he, yeah. He needs the weight room. He needs the weight room, not the treadmill. I need the treadmill. <laughs> so like he was on he was on the treadmill basically. Oh man, so, what a shame. Yeah, it's funny that we're starting on Poku but, because this episode is going to be on contenders. We're talking about our first week impressions yeah. of the best teams in the NBA. So we're going to talk uh, about the Utah Jazz, the team that Tony covers. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending and reigning NBA champions. Uh, I'm going to throw in the 76ers and I'm going to throw in the Nets. And then um, we're also going to throw in Denver. We're going to throw in Phoenix. We're going to throw in the Lakers. Uh, and then I'll probably ask at the end if you think there's anyone else worth talking about. But I think that those are the teams. But I guess that where I'll start is just simply like, are those the only teams? It feels more wide open this year than I can remember. And I talked about this on the last podcast with Danny LaRue, but I think I want to put a twist on the question here. Does the league to you feel more competitive top to bottom? than you can remember because really right now like i feel like there are only three like disaster situations like orlando and oklahoma city are absolutely terrible and then houston i think is pretty bad but the rest of the teams i i kind of watch them and i'm like okay this team can probably compete on any given night i really like the way the league is constructed this year i think it's i think it's wide open i think there's I think any one of eight or nine teams can 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 win. Um, you know, and I think there are very there are varying degrees to where they can win it. But I mean, you look at the East, right? Like, you know, I mean, you know, people want to look at the Nets as this, as this juggernaut that's a prohibitive favorite. I don't think they're prohibitive favorites. Like, I think they're one of the favorites. I think they might be. 
you know, the favorite by the, by by a slight margin, but every single team that's a favorite right now has has a flaw. Yep. You can look at every single team and you can point out a flaw and you can point out a reason why why they won't win it. There's no there's no 2017 or 2018 Golden State Warriors here. Um, you know, so I I mean, I I just really like, you know, the the way it's constructed and like if you go out east, right? Like I look at Brooklyn, I look at Milwaukee, but I also look at, you know, Philly, Atlanta and um in Miami. Like, you know, you you look at all five of you look at all of those teams and then yeah. You know, that's not even taken in, into account, you know, that's not even taken into account others. So, and the West is always competitive. And I don't even, I don't even, you know, um, look at the West and I don't even, uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't even disconsider um, somebody like the, the Clippers. What if they get Kawhi back in time? Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. Like all of these teams, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all of it shakes out. I'm glad that you brought up the idea of flaws because it does seem like there are some real flaws in basically every team this year. So like maybe that's a place to start is maybe we start in the East and then go West and just kind of talk about the flaws and then also talk about like the way that they can overcome these flaws. I mean, in Brooklyn's case, Hey, they're missing Kyrie. Like they need another creator out there. Uh, it's weird to say that a team with James Harden and Kevin Durant like needs another guy. They just need someone else who can like get their own shot because like Joe Harris can't get his own shot. Nick Claxton can't get his own shot. Blake Griffin like realistically can probably he can run the break a little bit now, but like he's not getting his own shot in the half court. They actually need like a third tertiary option to get his own shot. And Kyrie is that guy. Like they they desperately need Kyrie. It feels like, and they also need like. James Harden to work his way back into basketball shape and uh, need a few other things to happen. But I really do think that they actually need Kyrie in order to be the prohibitive favorite. And I wasn't totally sure about that coming into the year. Well, they do because what they need is they need to be for them to win a championship with the way they're going to defend. They need to be a historically good offensive team. So, you know, they need they need Kyrie to be able to bend defenses the way he does off the dribble. They need James Harden to get back in shape <laughs> because he's not in shape right now because James isn't beating anybody off the dribble. And, you know, obviously Durant's one of the three best players in the world. So um, but they need all of that because what they need is the way the roster is set up, like they need to be able to be this efficient offensive monster because when it comes down to it defensively they're not going to get they're not going to get stops they got to at the highest level they need to outscore people i mean they're not you know kevin durant's the best defender they have on their team you know they're not stopping people uh they're going to have to outscore people so you know i mean like they, charlotte like kind of kicked their ass today like did you watch that game yeah i did because i mean who's going to keep lamelo ball out of the paint on yeah. that team nobody and miles bridges like so LaMelo, yeah, Miles wrecked him because time and time again, Lamella was just getting pick and rolls. He was getting James Harden or or Patty Mills or Joe Harris or whoever on him. He's getting getting by him, getting into the paint and and wreaking havoc. Like it was it was so bad. Gordon Hayward wasn't even a factor in this game. 
tonight. Terry Rozier didn't play. And Terry Rozier didn't even play. How about Charlotte at 3-0, and by the way? They're, like, they're tough, fun. man. They're legitimately fun. Yeah, they're like, fun. they're they're not a, like, last year they were fun. And, like, I threw it as, look, like, I, I think that Charlotte fans were, fun, like, happy to be fun last year. But, like, it, it's almost a, like, discredit to them, right? Oh, yeah, like, they're the fun team. You know, like, this year they might actually yeah. be a good team. And it's because Miles Bridges, like, might be a like on his way to getting a like $90 million contract. Uh, I understand like why they didn't come to an agreement with him. Uh, th- we might look back at that as being every bit of a mistake as Phoenix, not coming to an agreement with Deandre Ayton because he has come out and looked incredible this year. Like he is so athletic. He's a perfect running mate for LaMelo ball. He's shooting the ball well, uh, and he shot the ball well last year, too. Like, Miles Bridges really might be on the precipice of being, like, a top 50 player in the NBA. And, well, and the other thing is he's figured it out, like, right? Like, he's figured out how to play with LaMelo. He's figured out how to play off of Gordon. You know, he knows how to play off of Terry Rozier. He knows the right wh- where to cut, when to cut. He knows how to get on. He knows that if he gets on the break, like, it's he's going to get the ball from LaMelo and he's finishing. He's not trying to, I thought in the first couple of years, he was trying to do too much off the dribble. Yeah. He's not trying to do too much off the dribble right now. He's, you know, he's catching and shooting. He's, he's, he's plant. He's, he's maximizing on the floor where his strengths are. Yep. Instead of playing to his weaknesses. And, you know, when you do that, then guess what? You start looking a lot better, but I, I mean, you know, Charlotte did a great job in the draft process. They knew that LaMelo Ball was, was the guy, and they yep. ignored all of the criticism. They they ignored uh, a lot of the naysayers. Um, there are very few me- media members, and, and I'm going to toot my own horn, and I know you're going to toot your own horn, but there are, there are very few media members who thought LaMelo Ball was going to be a superstar. Yeah. And... Um, and I'll, um, I'll be real, like, I don't even know that I thought he was going to be a superstar. I thought he'd be an all-star. I, I didn't, like, he has a chance to be a top 10 player in the league is where we're at at this point. I gave, I gave him the highest grade. I gave him the highest grade in, in the class. I gave him a superstar grade. Yeah. Like, I had him in number one, but, like, I, I, yeah. I didn't, like, love him as much as you did. And I still had him as, like, a future yeah. all-star. So, like, it's, the whole thing is, I mean, he is, he is a star. He is his ability to break guys down off the dribble, it's real. And we saw it today against Brooklyn, like to get back to the point of this podcast, like he's just like kind of completely bent Brooklyn defensively to his will in terms of where he wanted to get on the court. Yeah. And he can shoot it. Yep. And he's six foot eight. And even if he doesn't do anything off of isolation, he's such a good pick and roll player that the isolate, like he's such a good pick and roll player that the isolation doesn't really matter. And yet he's still a great isolation player. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's just got the entire package uh, offensively. You know, he's, he's, he's a special guy. How bad do we think Brooklyn is defensively? Cause that, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Like I had more expectation maybe for Nick Claxton entering this year. Like, I don't know how good he's looked so far in that role. Uh, he's definitely getting his points because James Harden is feeding him. But like he he's 
He's not looked as aggressive defensively as what I would have liked to have seen. Like, there's a reason that Javon Carter is in this rotation, and they just need, like, guys who kind of set the tone defensively on some level. Like, James Johnson, like, comes in, and he's at least tough and physical, but James is also, what, 34 now? Uh, It's tough. Paul Millsap's 36. That's why he's playing 11 minutes a night. Like, it's hard, I think, for those guys to come in and truly be, like, the high-level defensive players that this team needs. Like, they they need energy more than anything, I think. Yeah, I think they're a bad defensive team because, I mean, it's like the trifecta for me. Um they're not a great rim protecting team. They don't stop the ball at the point of attack and they don't have great wing defense. And your best player is your 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 best defender, which I mean which is okay if you if you have other defenders, but you know, I mean there're just too many places that teams can go. Like, okay, you you got James in space. Okay, go at James's guy. Whoever's got James. You got yeah. Joe Harris in space. Go at Joe Harris. You got you know, when when Paul or LaMarcus is on the floor. Oh, let's run pick and roll at those guys. And I'll give you know, Blake Griffin two- I'll give Blake Griffin credit for something real yeah. quick. I think he's gotten a lot better at dealing in space. Yeah. Than what yeah. he used to be. Yeah. But I mean there's just too many guys that are in their rotation who have to play twenty five minutes a night where you you can just go at. Yeah. So I mean I've never like I I've never for one I've never for one minute thought that you know, there are going to be a team that stops anybody there, but they had their, the collection of talent is such that that also may not matter because they could be that good offensively. Yeah. You know, you say, okay, yeah, we can't stop anybody, but we have James Harden. We have Kyrie Irving. We have Kevin Durant. We have, you know, we have like, you know, two dozen shooters surrounding them. So you spread the floor out, you run and you just wait just won a bunch of games 130 to 120 so I'll, you know I'll, that's the formula and, and 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 they can win a championship that way like you can win brooklyn can win a championship that way but you know just as long as people like you know you just gotta tell the truth like they're not stopping anybody on the way to the championship they're just gonna outscore people I will say this. Kevin Durant uh, looks every bit as good as what he did at the end of last year. And that just might be all absolutely like that. That might just be absolutely in the playoffs. Like when they get there, Kevin Durant looks like the best player in the world right now. Like I I was it's between him and Giannis to me is where I'm at. Uh, I, I don't know that there's any other correct answer. Yeah, I'm still putting LeBron up in there. I don't think I am. But I am, though. I still think he's on that level. So maybe uh, I'm proven wrong, but. Our questions on Brooklyn are defense and secondary creation uh, outside of Harden and Brooklyn. I think they, they'll get Kyrie back, by the way. Let's hope. I, I don't even know that I want to like talk about I don't even want to talk about Kyrie yeah. and like, speculate on his deal just because it's like it, it's overwrought. It's just we know what the deal is. He needs to figure out what he what he cares about and what he wants to do. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Facts. Let's go to let's go to the Lakers and talk about LeBron now, though, because I think LeBron is uh, also looks really good. He's shooting the hell out of the ball like he is absolutely shooting the hell out of it. And he's taking a ton of threes. Uh, he's already taken 23s in two games uh, as of the time that we're recording this. If he's shooting like that, then I might like if he's a, a legit like 42 percent three point shooter then yeah, he might be the best player in the world still. 
I just don't know if he's going to bring it defensively often enough, which I think is like a concern to me in general around this Lakers team. And I tweeted it after their game against Phoenix. I think that the way this team wins is through length, activity, like playing good defense. Like they need to push the tempo. They need to almost play at Russell Westbrook's pace more than LeBron's pace. And that sounds weird to like base the team off of Russ than LeBron because LeBron is clearly like Russ is their third best player. LeBron is freaking LeBron James. He's unbelievable. But I think that they're at their best when they can try and force turnovers, play aggressive defensively, try and get in transition more often because the half court offensively for them right now is a slog because they have no idea how to space with Russell Westbrook, with Kent Bazemore, with um, Rajon Rondo, and then obviously with the two bigs in DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard on the court. Uh, they have no real idea how to make that work on offense yet. So if I was them, like I, and this is something that's, antithetical to where they are as a team because they are older. Like there have been so many jokes made about how old this Lakers team is and for fair reason. Right. But they need to be an older team that plays super hyper aggressive defensively. And I just don't know what that looks like. So where, where are you at on the Lakers at this point? Um, Number one, they've looked awful outside. They've not looked good. Possibly uh, outside of possibly possibly LeBron like like if you're a Laker fan and you're looking for a silver lining the silver lining is LeBron looks like LeBron through two games and he looked like LeBron in the preseason as well um now the concern with LeBron is that he's scoring 30 a night because he's making jump shots he's not scoring 30 a night because he's getting to the rim because he's not getting to the rim he's just he's making jump shots so the question is is the shot making real and if the shot making real, if the shot making is real, then yes, LeBron is is definitely still LeBron. Um, I'm of the opinion that you need to make Russell Westbrook a six man, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know if that's worth talking about. Yeah, it's, um, it's not just because I think that this early portion of the season needs to be about like this first 20 game stretch. It needs to be about making yeah. Russell Westbrook work. Like even more than winning games, they just need to figure out yeah. like what what do they do? Because I talked about this with Cole Huff last week on the podcast. The best action that any team in the NBA can run is a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll. Right? Like I think you'd probably agree with that. Right. Like it's it's not that Russ is bad necessarily. I agree. It's that you just can't do anything better than run a LeBron AD pick and roll. So when that's the case, what do you do with Russell Westbrook when he's on the court in those actions that should be the basis of your offense? Like you should build everything but out. See, that's they, the thing, right? If you, yeah, like you should break, build everything out from LeBron James AD pick and roll and then figure out what to do with the other three guys on the court. And in Russ's case, he's just never been good without the ball. So I don't know what to do there. So if you run a if you run a LeBron AD pick and roll right now, you've got you've got Dwight Howard's man sloughing up in the lane. You've got you've got Russ's man in the lap on the right side. You've got Kent Bazemore's man in the lap on the left side. And um 
in in you've got zero space right to to run it the way you so, almost have to run it is you almost have to it has to be ad at the five lineups but on offense like russ almost has to be your five where he's like in the dunker spot and he's in the corner cutting and trying to get behind the defense right so I mean, it's it's there's just no space, there's no pace. I just don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it at this point. You almost have to clear out a side, so you have so you actually have a side and 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 you run the pick and roll that way. But you can't run it from any other spot on the floor. You can't run it from the top because there's just going to be too many people in your lap forcing forcing a kick out. And you know, guys. But, you know, at, at that point, guys need to figure out how to play with each other. Guys need to cut. And, you know, the, the thing that won the Lakers the championship two years ago was that, you know, A, obviously LeBron was, was, was great and obviously Anthony Davis was great. But they were so physical that they beat the crap out of everybody in the league because, yeah. you know, the league went small ball while they were big and they were able to be big but stay in front defensively as well. And, you know, eventually, you know, their physicality just just killed everybody. So, you know, they have to make they have to find a way to to make that physicality work for them um, more than other teams, you know, make spreading you out work for them. Or you could just go back in, in time and, and not trade for Russell Westbrook and just trade for Buddy Hill. But that's another story. Yeah, um, like they need a they need like a connector in the lineup with those guys, which is why I felt like they actually found some success weirdly with Austin Reeves uh, at the end of that yeah. Phoenix game because he was just like moving the ball and he was a confident shooter and like frankly like Austin yeah. what Austin can make catch and shoot threes but like he hit twenty eight percent from threes last two years in college I legit think teams guard him out there because he's white. Right? Like that happens. Right? Am I like yes. losing my mind? <laughs> if you see the if if you if you see the white guy on an all black AAU team, he's the shooter. And like Austin might not actually that's, be the shooter yet, but right. teams guard him no, like but that's he the is. Un, that's the un, that's the unwritten rule. Yeah. That's the unwritten rule. Teams guard him like he is. So that actually really helped yeah. their offense a lot. And he knows where to be defensively. Like I want, I legit think that they should try him in the first half of their next game and see him playing with those guys. Right. I, I would, you know, I would like it, you know, see if he, I mean, the thing that I've been impressed with Austin Reeves is that he's defended. Yeah. You know, cause he didn't really defend at Oklahoma, but he, he's defending right now. Didn't defend at all. But he's trying now. The the Lakers, it feels well, like. I mean, it's it's amazing when you know you have to defend this to get into the NBA. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's another thing. By the way, right now, Cole Anthony, we have four minutes thirty it's seconds. Killing left. my Knicks. Four he's minutes my thirty Knicks. seconds left in the third quarter. He's They're up killing, one. Destroying Cole, us. Cole Anthony has twenty five points on nine of fourteen shooting. He has thirteen rebounds. <laughs> He is absolutely killing us right now. Just killing us. Some some DFS. Okay. There's no way that he was high in DFS models today. Whoever picked Cole Anthony for their DFS lineup is just making a shit ton of money right now. Like, 
What is happening? Just, just <laughs> absolutely destroying us. But that's fine. Let's go Knicks. Anyway, oh. um, yeah, I, I, I think the Lakers. I think the Lakers are are, are a real contender. I think they're going to get this stuff together. There's just too much talent there. I agree. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to. You just have to believe in in LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like you have to believe that 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 duo is going to figure it out. But it's been fun talking about them. Uh, and you know, if they lose on Sunday night to to Memphis, while Memphis is on the uh, the L.A. back to back, the L.A. nightlife back to back, you know it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> like, like Twitter, it's gonna it's gonna be absolutely hilarious. Oh my god, I can't like I. I think they're going to be fine long term, but they have some real structural issues they need to figure out. Like they have some real problems that they need to navigate and they need to experiment with early in the season. And I think that they are like Frank Vogel very clearly is experimenting. Like he closed the first game with Avery Bradley, who he signed off the street, like or signed off waivers, I guess, not necessarily off the street, literally that week. He closed the second game with Austin Reeves. Like It feels like Vogel is trying different shit. And I feel like that has to be the first month and a half for the Lakers. Just throw a bunch of shit at the wall. See what sticks. They're going to get back Wayne Ellington at some point. They're going to get back Taylor Horton Tucker at some point, hopefully. I know he has a torn ligament in his thumb. Great. Um, Yeah, Trevor Ariza had ankle surgery. They're going to get back Kendrick Nunn at some point in the next few weeks, probably. So this team's going to change, but I think that they need to experiment just while the team changes, I guess, is where I'm at. Right. Well, I mean, the the, the problem is that the the issues are structural. So there's not like the, the roster is i mean the roster is who you have it so you have to you have to at some point make it work with what you what you have i would probably think about starting carmelo anthony because you need another shooter and another spacer in the lineup no matter mm. if he's making 20 20 of his shots or not he's going to get guarded out there so you're going to have space um yeah so that that's one change i would think about making the fact that and he actually I, gets guarded is a big deal for them yeah he gets guarded so if you have lebron at the three carmelo at the four oh geez wait a minute anthony doesn't want to play see that's the problem that's the other problem anthony davis doesn't want to play the five <laughs> so i mean he's gonna have going to two bigs he's gonna have to but he doesn't it, 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 they're starting two bigs so that means you'd have to play lebron at the two and carmelo at the three so yeah that probably doesn't work yeah oof but that's this is Again, See, though, like this so is many time things could be alleviated. So many things could be alleviated if Anthony Davis would just be like, "Yo, I, I'll go to the five. Right. So many things. Like you can alleviate. You can run. You can run a whole bunch of Russ AD pick and roll because there'll be space. You'd have LeBron at the four or LeBron at the three, Carmelo at the four. You put um, you put Malik Monk at the two and Russ at the one, and you have shooting. Yeah. And stop playing Rondo and Russell Westbrook together. Please stop doing that. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. There's no reason for those guys to be on the floor together ever. ever. No, that's 100% right. At the same time. It's absolutely right. Uh, okay, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back. We're talking about players securing the bag. 
when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, Let, let's go to the Bucks. The, I saved the Bucks despite the fact that they are the reigning champion and look great, uh, other than that game against Miami where they didn't have Brooke Lopez, didn't have Drew Holiday. Like, I'm, I'm just not worried about that. Like, they look like a team that has played together for the last few years and is going to continue to be awesome. Like, I I don't know what more to say about Milwaukee right now. Like they, they just look good. They look like to me, the best team in the Eastern conference. Yeah. Which is, which I don't understand why they weren't looked upon, looked at that that way before, because I thought they, they earned it. By the way, Giannis has gotten better, and that's scary. Maybe that is where to where to have this conversation because Giannis does look better. He's shooting the hell out of the ball, or not even shooting the hell out of it, but he looks a lot more confident shooting the ball. And and the other thing about Giannis, he's playing slower, not slower in terms of you know sheer pace. He's playing slower in the half court, like the game is slowed down for him even more. Yeah, <laughs> like he's playing the spots. He's not just trying to bulldoze his way to the rim anymore. Yeah. If he gets to a to a to a guy that can play and play to spots consistently, or dare I say, if he gets a bag, 
<laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. Good God. Um, that's legitimately scary. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's actually able to walk in to pull up jumpers, uh, I do think he actually is the best player in the world. If he can walk in to pull up jumpers, uh, given the way and that he defenders, has so far. But just given the way defenders have to play him, you can't play him tight because yeah. he's stronger than you and he's longer than you. Like if they like, I don't know what you do against him, I guess is my point. If he can walk into pull up jumpers, but like he doesn't even need a bag because of how good he is in transition. Like you have to just load up five feet away from him in order to stop him in transition. So if he can just stop and walk into a jumper, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at that point. Um, in terms of things that are slightly different, Grayson Allen, I think, looks like a smart addition. I know he's shooting 27% from three, but he's a very confident shooter that will help them. Jordan Wara looks much better uh, than what we've seen in the past from Jordan Wara. Oh, my God. I love Jordan Wara. Where were we on him at draft time? I, I didn't really were like him. Like- because I didn't think he would ever we like we were like so we were like so so on him weren't we yeah I, I liked Sam Merrill more than him who the Bucks obviously moved for Grayson Allen yeah. um I, I was wrong like Jordan clearly has a lot of game and he's six seven and can shoot but I, I just never in a million years believed he would defend uh I, I still am questionable if he'll defend in the biggest moments but I, I'm the, the signs are promising i would say that jordan Wara can be a legit rotation player on the bucks um so i really like jordan Wara now i'm not sure i liked him coming out of the draft i really like sam merrill yeah and i i, I wish the bucks would have kept him. and i wish i i hope that memphis starts playing him at some point <laughs> i want to see him That's just like I, sam merrill take yeah i, th- I think that they, I think they actually wanted him. Like, you don't move Grayson Allen for him unless you want him, right? Uh, well, they definitely like wanted him. They, they, yeah, they they cut Chris Dunn for him, and Chris Dunn had a five million dollar guarantee. Yeah. So they ate five million dollars to keep him on the roster. So they clearly want him, right? Um, yeah, no, this is a the, the Bucks are an interesting team. Insofar as I feel like I think I think they're the yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I think they're probably the East favorites unless Brooklyn gets Kyrie back is where I'm at. I, I think they're the least flawed team in the NBA. We're, we're going to talk about a team that's very close to you that I think might be the least flawed team in the NBA. But um, I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are probably number two for me in that respect. Uh, I think I, the I really Jazz do. are the least flawed team in the league. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute here. Um, when we get to the West. But let, let's close out the East here. The 76ers, I mean, the key flaw is simply who who runs pick and roll for the 76ers right now? Tyrese Maxey. Love him. Yes. Wait a minute, let me go check the, the Oklahoma City game and see who's running pick and roll for him right now. So Because it was a lot of Ferk and Cork. It was a lot of Cork Mots. That's what I was going to say. I think that Korkmaz <laughs> might actually be like their best pick and roll playmaker. Tyrese is good, and like Tyrese is definitely up there. Um, it, it might be Korkmaz. Like they're, they're running like point Cork and point Max at this point, and 
That feels concerning to me uh, as someone who wants the best for this 76ers team. Would you trade Ben Simmons for John Wall? No, I would not. You would not trade Ben Simmons for John Wall and uh, three first-round draft picks? I mean, it it would depend on what kind of protections we're talking about on the picks. But given that I don't think Houston would want to make those like I would think Houston would top five protect those picks. I just don't see that as like as an outcome that would be feasible for me. Because I think John Walker helped Philly. Yeah, maybe. Depends on how much you think john wall has in the tank what, what do you think he has i mean i think he has enough in the tank to help philly but but like the key in the simmons he trade he doesn't have to be the number one he doesn't have to be the number one or number two option he just needs I, to help I, I mean yes john wall would help but like the key in a simmons trade is maximizing that help right like john wall there are definitely better options out there than john wall right Okay, but you're not getting those better options. Like if you call Portland and say, give me CJ McCollum, Portland's not going to do it right now. The man's trade value is torpedoed. Yeah. There, there has to be someone out there is kind of like where I'm at. Like there's just got to be. But, so like, would you rather have John Wall or D'Angelo Russell? Like you'd probably rather have D'Angelo Russell plus whatever Minnesota would also throw in, right? Um, I'm not sure, man. Uh, I I think John Wall, even in his post-Achilles, post-30-year-old state, I think he makes people better around him with his passing. I mean, here, here's, you, another, you here, here's another name. On, and beat on your team. Would Toronto do Fred Van Vliet and just continue to For add ben to Simmons. their – continue to add to their group of six foot seven to six foot ten uh, wings like who cannot ball shoot. skills, defender – combination players so they they so toronto would trade for ben simmons they'd have ben simmons og scotty barnes and they'd have to play every game 82 to 78 siakam and achua uh who are also fitting this mold (laughs) every game will be 82 to 78 Yeah. yeah i'm not saying it's a good idea here by the way i'm just saying like he fits the player type that Toronto likes. <laughs> Goran Dragic would be in hell. <laughs> my man, my man would be kicking out to everybody who would just be pump faking and, and attacking. Goran Dragic would average two assists a game. Oh man! Um, and the funny thing is, like what Ben Simmons brings in terms of like passing and playmaking is that he's really good on kickout passes, and now he'd just be kicking out to like. Um, pumping ghosts. That's what he'd be kicking yeah. out to. <laughs> yeah, really would. Um, yeah, look again, like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm just saying like, do you think Toronto would do something like that? Like knowing that Toronto uh, like probably cares about wins a little bit this year, but cares way more about like upside and like having a team that could win a title yeah. at some point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was funny. I mean, you know, I knew this was going to, I didn't. I don't want to say I knew this was going to happen, but I mean, it was. It's hard giving Fred a Fred Van Vliet that kind of contract because as good as Fred is, like he's got to be a cog. He's not. He he can't be the. It's just. It's just hard being that small. Oh, I, I think Fred. Really I think that deal's fine. I, like I think that that's a great deal for Toronto. And, like if they wanted to move him, yeah. they could move him for something like great immediately. I think. So would you move him for Ben Simmons? 
if you were Toronto? Um, I wouldn't because I think they already have, like, I just wouldn't build my roster in the way that Masai and Bobby Webster seem to be doing it. Um, like, I, I wouldn't want all of Siakam, OG, Ben Simmons, Scotty Barnes, like all, I wouldn't want like all of those guys on my roster at once. But like, if, if it's something like I'm also Siakam somewhere else, like, am I sending Siakam to Golden State and getting back like Moody, you know, Kaminga and like, like a, you know, bringing in another team to get a guard or something like that. Like there's probably a world where I would do it, but it would involve a lot of maneuvering. I would say. Right. Right. On the back end. I like Philly. I like, I like what they have. Um, You know, obviously I think Embiid is one of the best players in the league. One of the very best players in the league. They got to do something because you can't like, Embiid is not does not strike me as a guy who's going to be Joel Embiid at 35 years old. So you can't you just can't waste one of his years. Yeah, like you, you got to start maximizing. He's in his prime right now. You got to maximize it. What is he? 27? Uh might even be a little bit older than that. But let, let's go with 27. Yeah, he's 27 years old. He's yeah. You got to maximize his prime. Like yeah. right now, he's let me. Uh, I'm I'm actually he's 27. He's turns 28 this year yeah. at some point he turns 28 this year this yep. basketball season yep Oof. yeah you, you can't play ch- you can't they they gotta get out of this game of chicken they gotta do something because like you are at this point you know you're you're smack in the middle of his prime and you you gotta maximize it you really do yeah and it's i think that what they're waiting for is to see where the dust settles in like closer to the deadline and around like December 15th when everyone can be moved. Right. Like, and honestly, like I, yeah. I'm comfortable yeah. with that. Like, I, I think that that is the way to handle it, but I, I wouldn't get past the deadline with Simmons. If I was Philly, I don't think like Daryl said yeah. that he was willing to wait X number. He's willing to wait four years. If that's what it takes. I personally wouldn't let it get past the deadline, but that's just me. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. Um, you know, I mean, just right now, you you have one of the ten best players in basketball. Yeah, and he's in the middle of his prime. You've got to maximize his prime. You got to give him every chance to win a championship. And like you said, this year this year is wide open. It's wide open. You don't have that dominant team this year. Yep. Um, no, I think that's right. Like you, you need to you need to go for I, it if you're Philly. I do not want to disrespect Trey Young. I, I want to talk talk about Atlanta because I think they they're they're really good. We we do need to talk about Atlanta because I, I think Atlanta is really really good and they're really good on both ends of the court now. Like John Collins has become a legitimately real positional defender. And then you throw him next to DeAndre Hunter. And then you throw him next to Clint Capella, obviously, as well. John Collins has gotten so good at the aspects of defense in terms of just reading where the help, where he needs to go help, being disruptive, sliding his feet. He's gotten so much better at that than what he was coming into the NBA that, man, he's just an awesome, like, third best player, second best player to have around, I feel like now. 
I think that Atlanta might be two years away from being the dominant team in the NBA. I don't think that's crazy. They would need to do one of two things. They would need like a real substantial leap from either DeAndre Hunter or uh, Kevin Herter or Cam, Cam Reddish. Reddish, or they would need to package some of that talent into a superstar if it comes available. I wouldn't package. Like, I wouldn't package a thing. I think. I think. I think Hunter is an all-star type of talent. Yeah. If I was them, and, I, I would be looking at like maybe it's this off season, maybe it's like at the deadline, you know, wh- whenever the next star comes available. Like I, I'd be looking at Cam, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, Jalen Johnson, and like firsts for a star. And I think that that's a big enough package to go get a star at this point. Or you could just keep them and have insane depth around Trey Young. It's really hard to keep all know. those guys, though, because they're all going to get paid. Well, you've you've already paid John. Yep. Well, that's why I said in the next two years. So you got to they they you have to do it in the next two years. Yeah. Um, the guy that would have to go for me in order to keep those guys would be Capella because you have a Congo, and I think a Congo can be Capella. Yeah, you have to hope so at least. Yeah, man, and Yeka, um, I would love to see him get healthy. He's good. I think he's yep. good. I think he's really good. I he's not as long as Capella is, but but he's he's got the same I mean the same and same exact instincts and stuff. Yeah. Um, this is uh, I will say this. This is a team that if we're talking we've kind of based this whole podcast around the idea of weaknesses, right? I don't really know what their weaknesses like on the court are. They just might not have enough talent yet. Like they just their, might not be there. Their weakness yet. their weakness is experience. Yeah. Like they're just not they're they're just not old enough. Um, but I mean, you know, you've got dynamic well, the the the, the weakness might be you don't have a second dynamic playmaker. Yeah. That, that might be might it. be Yeah. That that's probably it. Like if 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 you're against the clock and you don't have and if you're against the clock and Trey doesn't have the ball, your secondary curator is is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, who's okay? You know he's okay. Or you know Gallo pump faking and hoping you jump, or we, or Hunter or Herder. That's the crazy thing. They haven't even had Gallinari. Like Lou Williams hasn't played yet. Akongwu hasn't played yet. The team is insane. Like they're so deep. They're super deep. It's ridiculous. It's laughable how deep this team is. Like they have so many, like you just can't pay all those guys. Like I think there's going to have to be a consolidation trade at some point. Maybe it's like moving someone out to get future picks because you want to keep maintaining depth year over year. But like you're going to have to move someone at some point. Like you can't, you can't just keep all these guys. But like, yeah, right now I think their secondary creators probably bogged on. Um, we didn't get to see like full scale Bogdan in the playoffs last year either because he was hurt. Right. So I really wonder if he is going to be good enough to at least like hold that fort down um, next to Trey. Uh, but you have Trey. Like Trey is probably, I don't know if he's like a top, he might be like a top 10 player in terms of the playoffs right now. Like guys that I would take for a playoff game tomorrow. Because there's not really an easy way to stop him with the way that the game gets ramped up in the playoffs. 
Yeah, when I saw what he was doing to Ben Simmons, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm sold. That's silly. Yeah. I mean, he, he legit had Brent Ben crying in the press. <laughs> ben was like, well, I hope they let me play a little bit more physically on him. <laughs> like, okay. Well, that means he's cooking you in space. And he's cooking Ben Simmons in space. And Ben is a great defender. Like, yeah. Oh, man. I don't. I just don't know what you do with him out of ball screens in the playoffs. He has an incredible floater game. He can pull up from mid-range. He can pull up from 28 feet. He's an exceptional passer if you try to put two on the ball. It's he's tough. He's so tough. He's a great lob thrower. Like he find he just finds the right decision every time. And I'll say this too. I've watched both their games. He's trying harder on defense this year. And he he's like actually working on defense this year. In a real substantial way. Well, Rubio Rubio cooked him last night, though. Rubio didn't really cook him. Rubio hit like a bunch of threes. I don't know. No, no, Sam. Fourth quarter. Rubio was cooking him. He was cooking him. I didn't think so. I didn't think that was on Trey. I thought that was. He was cooking him. I thought that was just Ricky hitting shots. I mean, okay. So, like, is, 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 is the premise different? If I'm staying in front of my guy and he's he's making shots, he's still cooking me. Yeah. I get what you're saying. You're not wrong. Look, like, you're 100% right. But, like, he hit, like, three threes at the end of the first half and had, like, a bunch of points early. And then, like, later in the closed. game. He closed. He closed. Damn it. Yeah. He closed. He was Fever Rick. Yeah. He, okay, I'll say this. Trey is trying. He wasn't NBA Rick. Trey's I mean, trying hard. But, okay, so here's the thing, right? Like, the best thing the Hawks have done, like, the, the best thing Travis has done is he's he did what the Warriors did for, 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 for Stephen Curry, which is they put enough around those two that got – they put enough around him defensively to where his defense doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, it matters, but it doesn't because – at the end of the day, you got Capella protecting the rim. He's he's an excellent rim protector. You got John Collins, who's a great defender, or who's becoming a great defender. You've got Reddish and, and Hunter, who are really good defenders. You've got Herder, who's who's you know a six eight two guard. I mean, you've got the, there's defenders like all around him. Yeah. So it's it's it. I don't want to say it's made. Um, Trey's defense obsolete, but it certainly made it matter a lot less. I think that's reasonable. Like Donna, like Donovan Mitchell's defense matters for the Jazz. They don't, yeah, they don't have the does. personnel around them yeah. to where it doesn't matter. That's true, because they don't have the foot speed around him. Yeah. Right. Well, let, let's go to the West. We've talked for an hour now about the East. I don't really I haven't watched Miami yet, to be honest. So I don't want to like dive too deep into Miami. Yeah. Plus, Lowry hasn't played, or a lot, at least. Yeah, he played the first game. He didn't play the second game. Yeah. Um, right, right. I, I, yeah, I, I just like can't. I, I can't speak well enough about Miami at this point to talk about them. Let's go to the West, because I want to talk about your team. I do want to transition to the Jazz, because I think that they are the most complete team to me right now, and maybe that is a regular season thing, but... They have a lot more like I think the Eric Pascal like pickup really actually helped them because they needed like another wing sized energy guy. 
And like he's strong, he's physical, he's tough. Like he gives them another option. They're obviously so well schooled at generating three pointers that it doesn't matter. They've shot like 33% from three in these two games so far. And it just doesn't matter because they're so good at creating those looks that they're just going to create so many of them that they're going to make shots at a level that it's fine. And then defensively, obviously, they're fine. Like they're great defensively. So like in a regular season context, this team... I think is probably the most complete team in the league. I just don't know what to do with them. Like come playoff time necessarily, because I think they need more wing defense, but right now they're the most complete team to me. So um, I think this is the best jazz team. I mean, you know, I've been watching the league forever. This is the best jazz team I've seen since 1998. Um, And this is the the team the the jazz team that I think has the best chance at the title since since ninety eight um the the thing the 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 game changer for me with this jazz team i think and and not many people are talking about this, but I think Rudy Gay can be a game changer for this team um, hasn't played yet, but I, I think that you're right that and he hasn't he played definitely yet. can be um and i i i i really starting to agree with you about Pascal because of like, I've seen like he's given, he's, I think he gives them a toughness that, that kind of wasn't there last year a little bit. Um, You know, for instance, you know, in past years, there have been teams that have been capable of punking the jazz and um, Sacramento was doing so last year, uh, not last year on Friday and Pascal and, um and Hassan Whiteside physic they turned the game around physically like you know they you know they they kind of stood up to those guys a little bit and I really really loved what um what what Pascal um really provided to Jazz uh in 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 that game because that was a physical game that was that was a team that was that was um good enough and physical enough to 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 take them uh take the jazz out of their sets a little bit uh they were you know they were running up and down the floor they were speeding the jazz up uh davion mitchell was was basically stuck in donovan mitchell's jersey and you know the jazz had to win that game on something else more than their ball movement and their shooting and they won it on their physicality and there haven't been a lot of jazz teams that i've covered that that had just been like okay we're just gonna you know you're kicking the shit out of us right now we're just gonna kick the shit out of you back and yeah. and that's what they did to, to sacramento and i was really impressed with that yeah no i agree with that like a it's so funny that like davion mitchell right now is averaging two and a half points he shot 14 percent from the field i think he's like two for 14 so far this year and i would have him first team all rookie and a heartbeat yes, yes i would too he is, he has completely changed the way that they play. They are now a physical team. In the two games I watched from them, they are now a physical team because of him. Like it's ridiculous. I don't want to. I don't want to say he might be the best on ball defender in the NBA. Like right now, it felt like last year. It felt like the Kings had some talent, but it was kind of easy to play them. It is not easy to play them anymore. Like. 
Davion Mitchell will just stick in your best player's jersey the entire game. Alex Len is like physical, at least. Like Rashawn Holmes, you get, ask him to go play tough, he'll go play tough. Harrison Barnes is like physical in the way that he uses his body on the court. And then they also went out and got Tristan Thompson, who, yeah, he's only playing 12 minutes a night. But like he those are physical minutes, though. Like this is now not a super easy team to play. And I think that given that Davion Mitchell's playing 28 minutes a night, whereas like Tristan's playing 12 minutes and, um, you know, Harrison Barnes, like he's he's more just like he's not. He's not initiating the physicality. He's just big and is capable of like absorbing contact. Like to me, it's Davion that has like kind of changed the way that they do things. I mean, he is, he's tough. And that was an impressive win. Like you wouldn't think that, oh yeah, like the Kings, they won 34 games or whatever last year. They're on the rise. You know, Utah should still beat them pretty easily. I'm with you. That was an impressive win. I thought from Utah, I, I was really, really impressed the way that they fought and just dealt with how Sacramento really made a concerted effort to try to like punk them. It felt like, and you know, it was, you know, the, the, the thing, the thing was that last year, the jazz were swept by the Minnesota Timberwolves three all in the season series. And it was one of those, um, and, and the formula was, we're going to be really physical. We're going to get into your ball handlers. We're not going to allow any of the screen roll action. We're going to switch everything and we're just going to take you out of, out of everything that you do. And then when we take you out of everything you do, we're going to run, we're going to get up and down the floor and we're going to beat you in transition. And, you know, that turned out to be the formula that the Clippers used to beat the Jazz. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It really did. You know, so, yeah, you this... know, so it, it's, you know, seeing them against Sacramento, that was the first time that, that, you know, this year you saw a team try to do that. And it, the guys really responded well. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, I mean, in, in, I, I think that the Jazz and the Suns are the two best teams in the West. Um, I would probably put Milwaukee and Brooklyn on tier one. Right now, I'd put the Jazz, the Lakers, and the Suns slightly below in Tier 2. But for me, those are the five teams that I look at that have the yeah. best chance of winning to, of winning a title. I like the Suns a lot as well. Let's talk about them. What? Where are you at on Phoenix at this point? I feel I like they're them. just very they're really complete. Good. Yeah, like it's just hard. Yeah. They're, they're just a very difficult team right now. It's hard to find the weakness. That, that it's hard to find a weakness with them. Um, now, the the concern is, you know, Chris Paul had uncommon health last year. So, you know, does he stay as healthy as he stayed last year? So that's the question. But even if he doesn't, I mean, good Lord, you know, Cam's been so good on the point. That's just been ridiculous. And, you know, McCall Bridges, to me, is the best 3 and D player in the league. Um, Devin Booker is Devin Booker. Um, DeAndre Ayton is phenomenal. They have a lot of depth. Um, I do wonder against the better teams how much missing Saric is going to hurt them. Um, because I thought Saric was really, really good in that second unit. 
especially the way he could shoot the ball and, sp- and the way they like to the space. So you're plugging JaVale McGee into that. And, you know, there are some there are some advantages, but there are some disadvantages there as well. Um, but overall, I just think the Suns are really good. Yeah, I think the Suns are really good as well. Uh, they can defend the perimeter. They can shoot. They have multiple elite level shot creators in Booker and Paul. Uh, everything that they do offensively builds off of itself. Uh, so like they run those like horn sets, for instance, and there are like eight different ways they can kill you within those sets. They can throw the ball to Aiton. They can then have Mikhail on the other elbow and they can run like a dribble handoff for Mikhail as Chris Paul like goes to the other corner and then Mikhail or uh, can then stand on the wing. Devin Booker can fly up and take a dribble handoff that way. And there are like eight different things you can do off of that. Everything that they do builds off of itself. And on top of that, they're also good defensively. Because Devin Booker is like trying now on defense and Chris Paul is a great point guard defender and floor general on that end who calls out so many different things. DeAndre Ayton's a really good defender now. Like Mikael Bridges is going to make the all defense team this year. There's just so many different ways that they can beat you and they can stay in games. Uh, Then like Portland comes out and destroys them the other night and the Suns right now are sitting at one and two and we're talking about them this way uh despite the fact that they have lost like pretty pretty rough like they lost by double digits to both Denver and Portland but like I I still feel like when push comes to shove it was pretty impressive it was I feel like they're the deepest team that I can see yeah I mean you saw the I saw the Portland loss coming. Yeah. You know, pretty far away because it was like, you know, they were in Los Angeles the night before. They had an emotional that was an emotional win. Then you gotta go up to Portland and, and play the Blazers. That's 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 not the easiest thing to do. Um who'd they lose to in game one? Denver. Oh, that's right. They did lose to Denver. At home too. Yeah, no, Denver came out and like really really kind of set the tone and like uh, that's the other thing about denver man and we can transition to them like that team is Jokic is insane Jokic is insane but like is insane they've just built a group of like guys that i trust to figure shit out on the court like they're all smart but they're all super tough like even even someone like pj dozier like he embodies a lot of what denver is to me like really tough defender uh knows what his role is doesn't try and do too much and then makes it hat like makes it work for them right like he's perfect within their scheme he's a good cutter he can run like side pick and rolls he's now an okay shooter you'd like to see him uh continue on the shooting run that he started the year on but we'll see right um getting will barton back has been really helpful for them so i man they're they're just a team like i wouldn't want to play in the playoffs like i i that team feels like they will just like like to Dan Campbell, it they're gonna like scratch your kneecap off before like losing the series. Yeah, like they're the team that I'm like that I would if I were a top seed, I'd be like just go ahead and get one of the top four seeds so we don't have to see each of the second round. Yeah, we don't want that pressure in the first round. No, but um, you know they're 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 tough. You know they're they're a good team. You know they really are. So 
I mean, and like you said, you know, in in Jokic makes it all work. He's he's oof, he's insane. That pass that he made to to MPJ in the corner, my god. He threw a with a basketball. He threw a submarine <laughs> like sidearm screwball through like a 1 degree open passing angle. I I I don't I I can't I it, I literally watched that 15 times and I still didn't understand how he did it. He literally almost hit MPJ in the nuts from like the opposite post. And like MPJ like turns and he's like, oh my God, the ball is here. I guess I better shoot this thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even get an assist out of it. Oh my God. He got the putback, which was nice, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was one of the craziest passes I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, I would not want to yeah. play Denver. And then they have Aaron Gordon too, by the way. And like Aaron Gordon has sacrificed a lot since getting to Denver in terms of like numbers, in terms of role uh, usage with the ball in his hands. And he's just been happy to do it. Like he's the perfect guy to have on that team. He's, he he is embraced being like the tough guy, the physical guy on defense. Yeah, and you know I like their bench. Um, always like PJ. Always like Monte um, and, and Faco. I mean, they just have they just got a bunch of guys. They're, it's it, it's it's you know, and they're really well coached. I mean, it's just it's just they're just a really really good team. Yeah, speaking of guys who will, like, scratch your kneecap off, Faku. Like, Campazzo is, like, the guy who embodies that as well. I mean, just a – it's a fun team. Let's take another so quick I, commercial. I, well, go ahead before we go. Um, good antidote. I I told Donovan – I was talking to Donovan Mitchell on Friday night, and I said, I said, bro, I said, you got Lou Dort in game one, you got Davion Mitchell in game two, and you're going to get Faku in game three. And he was just like, man, that's rough. <laughs> you know, it's just, it just kind of funny. It was just kind of funny to say it's just to 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 have to have that interaction. Well, and, and like I feel like Faku doesn't have that reputation, and I don't even know how like effective Faku is on defense, right? Because like you can still shoot over the top of him, and like he's just small, so like he's not crazy helpful unless he's shooting passing lanes in help so like i don't even know how incredible he is on defense he's just a oh on the ball he's he's great on the miserable ball. person to play against yeah like he's just great on the so ball. miserable and he picks he picks you up 94 feet like he moves his feet he's got incredible lateral quickness and you know he's always under you that's the thing like players don't like when guys are under them and he's under yeah. everybody yeah so really yeah th- that that's that's the part that's hard to play against with him and by the way that's the same with davion too like davion just like, gets up under you in like a pretty real way yeah and davion okay. and davion doesn't die on screens that's the thing that i love about him that's true too that's a very good point let's take another quick commercial break and we'll be back uh, to close out on some of these other teams in the west okay still here with tony jones what other teams in the West do you want to talk about? Because you think it's pretty wide open in the West. We've gotten to 
the king or we've gotten to we've talked about the kings a reasonable amount weirdly um but we've talked about phoenix we've talked about denver we've talked about utah we've talked about the lakers so far uh do you want to talk about the clippers do you want to talk about dallas like what other uh, should we talk about golden state because i think they're actually really interesting in this conversation oh yeah let's talk about i mean obviously golden state is i think golden state might be in a top four when it's all said and done in the west i really like them yeah yeah i, I think so too like, I depending re- on I what really clay looks like when they're health when he's healthy yeah uh they are they have a bunch of wings they are very athletic uh steph is still playing at prime level um um jordan the the jordan pool uh ascension is real they're gonna get clay back um they they're really good and they're and they're a headache to play against that feels like a good combination and part of the reason that they're a headache to play against now is not only are they tough on defense but they're smart on defense too nobody so you know nobody talked about bielitsa but he's been like he's been a real impact signing for them and especially in terms of him being able to 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 play you know their ability to go five out with him at the five it's been he's been a real real good uh addition for them yeah kind of talked about that on the opener podcast i did but i feel like his ability to make decisions on the move is a perfect fit for them like for everything they want to do at the five like he can just run short rolls with draymond green and he finds cutters he finds open kickouts like he's just a smart player with the ball in his hands uh it's a perfect fit like Otto porter hasn't really even done much so far and i hope he can like stay healthy and if he can he can make some shots and be smart defensively but like he gives them an upside play uh andre guadala has been good so far like he's i was worried that the clock had run out on Iggy, but it has not. He's pretty good, I think. He looks spry. He looks downright spry. <laughs> yeah. Like he's been jumping, he's moving. I mean, they just they just have a lot. They have a lot of guys. They have a lot of depth. I did not believe in the Warriors in the offseason. Then I saw them constructed in the preseason and I, I changed my tune on them. Yep. Um pretty pretty one eighty. I thought they were like, I was like, oh yeah, they're going to be much the same. And then, you know, when you see it on the floor and you see how they're constructed, I was just like, yeah, this this looks really good together. <laughs> um, it is so, really, yeah, yeah like. A lot of the teams that we've seen play well so far, and this is something I keep talking about, I think that continuity is a really important thing. Like Memphis is 2-0. Charlotte's 2-0. They didn't really have like crazy additions. Memphis traded Jonas for Steven Adams, but they still have like 90% of their core there. The Warriors are 2-0. The Jazz are 2-0. Memphis or Minnesota is 2-0. And again, like they didn't do anything really this offseason. Denver is 2-0. They didn't do a ton this offseason. The Knicks are 2-0. They added a lot, but like the core pieces of who they are are still there, right? So continuity, Milwaukee's two and one, right? Like continuity is always a really important thing early in the season, unless you're the Bulls and you just might be like really good. And I don't know how to like even manage them yet. Uh, part of it, part of my guess on them is that they've played Detroit twice and that makes life a little bit easier. But And New Orleans once. 
in New Orleans once. So, like, we'll see what it looks like uh, later this week. Like, they have to play at Toronto, which will be an interesting one. Um, they have to play the Knicks, and then they have to play Utah uh, late in the week, which I think will be a really good game and a really good test for them. But the a lot jazz, of teams... the Jazz have the Jazz have at at Chicago and at Milwaukee back to back. Yeah, it's not great. That's not fun. Yeah, I think you fun. go. F- I think you go for the win if you're trying to split those, which Utah should be uh, in their situation. I think you go for the win against Chicago and then kind of like let it roll against yeah. Milwaukee, right? Well, Milwaukee's also going to be on a back to back. Okay, interesting. That that'll be a fun little thing to track because there's definitely a betting yeah. edge there. I know that. I just need to find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I like the Clippers despite their own two start. Um, uh, I, I particularly like them if they get, yo, Cole Anthony's line was 29, 16 and eight tonight. I don't I know what happened, man. <laughs> I just want to say that. I mean, I do Cole know Anthony's what happened. Line. Like Cole Anthony went home and locked in. And Cole and went like, home. <laughs> Cole was like, I'm going to perform tonight. This is homecoming for him. Wow. He wanted it. Um, but, you know, if the Clippers get Kawhi back at the right time, man, like this, uh, the, the nightmare scenario for the Jazz is that the Clippers get the eighth seed and they get Kawhi back. Yeah, really, isn't it? That's it. Because they, they've looked good. Yeah. Like, I, I do think they've looked good. I know that they're 0-2, yeah. like you said, but they lost a tough one to Memphis and they lost a really tough one to Golden State in their opener. Like... Paul George looks like he's ready to try and like finish top five in the MVP race. And they're using Eric Bledsoe in really creative ways. And Zubats, I think has started the season really well from the center position, from a defensive perspective. And then on top of it, like I I just love Terrence, man. The more I watch Terrence, man, the more I just love everything about what that guy stands for. And I loved him pre-draft. So he is awesome. I I think that um, Ty Lue is a hell of a coach, um, and I think that you know his his real skill um, is that he knows how to take a player, identify his strengths, and more importantly, identify his weaknesses, and put that guy in position to where he's maximizing his strengths while minimizing his weaknesses. Like you look at what he's done with Marcus Morris. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, um, we're going to always have you in the corners because that's where you shoot the best. And we're also not going to take away the 15-foot post-ups that you're really efficient at. Yep. Because that's, you know, something that you do really well. You know, another coach would be like, well, analytics, just stand in the corner, shoot threes. Right. You know, so... Well, and I think that um, the better um, example of that this year is Eric Bledsoe. Like we, um, I talked about this on the podcast that I did with Danny LaRue, and I love the way that they utilized Eric Bledsoe in the first game against the Warriors. I didn't, I only watched like probably a quarter of their game against Memphis. I, I didn't like, you know, really sit there and study it. It was like the second game I had on like in the background. But I love the way mm-hmm. that they're utilizing Bledsoe almost in like a Bruce Brown like screener role a reasonable amount and like saying, you know what, 
we know teams don't respect him as a shooter. We're going to try and find creative ways to get him the ball in the paint. Sometimes it'll be as a pick and roll guy. Sometimes it'll be as a short roll guy. But we're going to find ways for him to be effective and to use his athleticism. Yeah. And, you know, and he's looked really good. You know, everybody's like, well, you know, Eric Bledsoe is 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 done. He's, you know, he's not great anymore. And then, you know, and it's like, oh, well, Ty Luce put him in positions to where to where he can help. I, I just, yep. you know, I just... You know, I just really like what he's been able to do uh, with his roster. And, and Paul George is, you know, Paul George has been terrific. Just absolutely terrific. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. Paul George, hot take. Uh, really, really good basketball player, especially like when he feels <laughs> like he has to carry it a little bit. Um, and, and like, look, like Paul, the, the problem was that Paul George got like, he had a phenomenal first game, I thought, against the Warriors. And all anyone could talk to, talk about was him getting clowned uh, from the logo by Steph. Yeah. And like, look, don't say I'm from the logo with it to Stephen Curry. Like, that's just a bad yeah, idea that was, waiting to happen. It's just, I was not smart. Yeah. Like Paul George could definitely do a better job of reading the room. But also, Paul George <laughs> is really fucking good. He is so good at basketball. Every time I watch him, I'm just like, you are unbelievable at basketball um he has no weakness in his game Mm-mm. like he doesn't have a weakness davion mitchell's got like 15 points good for in davion. like five minutes remember when we were talking about his stats yeah <laughs> Welp. and like we weren't even talking about him negatively we were just like yeah he's averaging <laughs> like yeah two and a half points a game and we put him on first team all rookies <laughs> And his defense is so good that it doesn't matter. And Davion was like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and play offense tonight. Oh, my God. Six of seven from the field. Yeah, what a stud. Davion's oh, really good. He's And he's like four for four from three. Oh, my God. Shout out Davion Mitchell. What a stud. Um, all right. Is there is there anywhere else we want to go before we get out of here? Any Anything you need oh, to talk no, about? No, we got to talk about Dallas. We got to talk about Dallas. Oh my God! There, I'll say this <laughs> for Dallas: it, it took either it took six quarters for one of two things to happen: for Jason Kidd to either figure out, oh, I just need to run high ball screens with Luca every play because that's what he's good at and that's what uh, that's what makes our team best, or it took six quarters for Luca to say, "Fuck this! I'm just going to do my thing, and you guys can follow or not." <laughs> Right, right. And I don't know which what one it was. it was. Like, I'm not in Dallas to know. But, like, there was a clear change, like, at the end of the second quarter in their Toronto game, and then all through the second half. They just were like, okay, we're going to just get back to running high ball screens for Luka, and it's going to work. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And they came back and won that game, and they were really yep. good. Um, I How much are you... What do you, what are your thoughts on 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 Dallas as as a team? Um, I don't really see them as a contender. I see them as like a good team that I probably wouldn't love playing in the playoffs because Luca is so good on any given night that I legit think that he can win like four games by himself in a playoff yeah. series. So I, I would not want to play them, but. Do I think they can win a title? I I I don't. 
to be honest. Like, I don't think that they can win 16, like with just Luca. And the big part of it right. is that I don't know if I trust Porzingis to do what he has to do for them to be as right. good as they can be. I do think that he's been helped by the move to the four because then you can just be a rim protector and not have to be a pick and roll anchor. Anchor. He is awful in the pick and roll. So sort of, but like teams will still target him. Like they're not doing it now because like teams are just like kind of experimenting right now, but in the playoffs, like teams are still going to do that to him. Like regardless if he's at the four or the five, like they're just going to send his guy to the ball for Luke or to the uh, ball for whoever they're playing. Right. So I don't even know that it, it works to be honest. Like, I, I don't know that it, especially playing him with another big works because yeah, it just ends up cluttering, especially if Jason Kidd is going to be insistent upon posting him, which yeah, yeah, he, he definitely was in game one. It didn't happen as often in game two, but like that, that's something I'm really looking forward to tracking early on in their season is just like, are they going to post a real amount? Because it seemed like that was like a concerted effort thing to post up because they did it quite a bit more than what I would have thought they would have. Uh, they're, they're posting on almost like 10% of their possessions right now. Right. So like they now, are, I, and that's, that's probably too much to be honest. Let's see. Luca needs to get in shape. Okay, so just run ball screens every position. Yeah, yeah right now they are. They've posted the eighth most of any team in the NBA. Uh, that that's bad uh, for a team that has Luka Doncic. Uh, please, please don't do that. I'm I'm not asking a lot. Just don't do that, please. So you're against that. I am against that. I am. completely and utterly against (laughs) posting up a guy who like, and I don't mean this negatively toward Kristaps necessarily, because I think he does a million other things really well, including shoot the ball from three, but like he can't establish his spot on the block where he wants to go because his center of gravity is too high. So guys like that, you think he has a mismatch on, he doesn't actually have a mismatch on because he gets any time that like he has to displace his momentum in order to like go and receive the ball and like jump toward the ball whenever he's taking an entry pass, like that guy just like pushes him further away from the basket. He'll get pushed like four more feet from the rim every time. So it's fine. Like he does a lot of other things really well. He protects the rim when he's around the rim. He uh, is capable at least uh, of, you know, knocking down shots. And he hasn't done that like to a hike level this year, but I think we all think Kristaps can shoot. So like it's, it's just frustrating to me to see someone be utilized in a way that he is not uh, best utilized, I think is the fairest way to put it. Right, right, right. Um, I would try to run a bunch of pick and rolls with him. Yep. Um, I would be like, let's actually roll to the basket, though, instead of popping out to three. You know, mix it up, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. Mix it up. You know, go yeah. to the basket, pop. Stop, you know, because right now, I mean, it's gotten to the point where he's easy to guard because you know what he's going to do, you know, and that's one of the reasons why for me, you know, analytics has its place, but it can't be the end all be all because you got to be able to, you, you can't, you can't be predictable. You got to be able to make people guard you everywhere. 
So I'm with that. I will say, though, that like their best success against Toronto, and I, I don't have the numbers on this, but their best success against Toronto came with Dwight Powell setting screens and rolling. Right. So do you do that? Like, do you run more Dwight Powell out there? Um, and then like put Kristaps like in the corner to shoot threes. It doesn't seem like he's real happy to do that. Uh, and, and certainly like you shouldn't pay him $30 million to do that. Right. 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 Um, you can stagger and you can put him in lineups where the ball is forced to him. Um, like for instance, I mean, you know, who knew, who needs a screen more, you know, Luca or, or Jalen, Jalen Brunson. Yeah. You know, so you could put them on in lineups where Jalen's on the floor and, you know, that, that could be lineups where he, where he's dominant with the basketball. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. And like, by the way, like we're shitting on him. Like, I don't think he's this bad. Like, I don't think he's a bad bath. Like, I think he's actually really either. good. Yeah. Like, you can find a way to make it work. Right. Like, the guy averaged 20 points a game each of the last two years with Dallas, right? Like, he's good. Right. Like, it's just when you're trying to optimize in order to win a title, I, I don't know exactly how you optimize him in lineups in order to win a title, I guess. I, I, just ha- I haven't figured that out yet, personally. Right. Um, and it seems like Dallas hasn't totally figured that out yet either, because if you listen to... Um, do you listen to Pablo Torre's podcast with Bob Volgaris? No, I haven't. It's it's really good. Like I would suggest everyone go listen to it. Um, it. It was really interesting, some of the stuff that they said about like trying to find the right lineups with poor Zingas and trying to find like the right role for him. Um, like one thing they did was put him in the corner in large part because like Kawhi Leonard was guarding him and they just wanted Kawhi away from the screen um, with Luca. Like they just did everything they could to get Kawhi out of the action. Uh, another thing that they did right. was like play him often. So, or like play him like on ball. So it's, you can do it. Like he's a really good basketball player. I, I just haven't figured out the right mix of things to utilize with him uh, to make him his most right. effective, uh, especially post knee injuries, like pre knee injuries. He was a little bit more explosive and bouncier and a little bit more mobile. But um, I, I think a critical thing for him would hopefully be getting some of that like juice in his knees back. Like if that can happen, um, it makes things a lot easier for Dallas, I think. Right. That's facts. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think Jay, what do you think of his rotations so far? What do I think of Jason Kidd's rotations? I'll be honest. Like I, I don't really look at that stuff early in the year. Um, I, I'm okay. more trying to just like evaluate players as much as anything. Um, and evaluate like what players are working well guys like guys come in guys go out and I'm watching so many different games that like I know who's on the court but I don't know the order with which they're going off the court if that makes sense that that makes sense do do you have thoughts on them because I like I said like I just don't I just knew it was a conversation you know on Twitter and you know I just thought it was interesting interesting yeah I haven't Um, seen that you're a man of the people Tony Jones like you you're out there you're talking to everyone 
I'm I'm just not a man of the people. <laughs> I'm just I'm just you know I'm just a person who um, I'm just a person who my daughters are not impressed with. <laughs> you're, but you're but you're out there. You're retweeting just about everyone. It feels like like you, everyone's interacting with you. It's great. I love it. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta interact with people. You gotta talk to people. You know I don't know a stranger. I will say I've started um, I've started not having my notifications bar up on like my Twitter stuff uh-huh. in like I will click specific tweets and see like what people are saying about them and then like interact with people that way as opposed to just like seeing every notification that comes up on my Twitter account. And it, it's been much healthier for me, I think at this point <laughs> it's been it's been a little bit better to not see everything that someone says about you to go away and count to 10 has been okay yeah that probably helps but, you know somebody yesterday said whoa why you know why is my twitter feed all bs tony jones tweets and my response to him was i have to entertain your seven followers <laughs> so that was fun yeah i just uh, I, i'm I'm getting better at not responding to people like that. I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm not 100% as good at it as I need to be. The Lakers have 12 points in eight minutes so far. Yeah, it's not great on offense for them. It's really not. At home to a, at home to a team that's playing on the second night of a back-to-back. And you know they went out last night because they were in L.A. You'd think so, but like I will say like all those Memphis guys, like I don't think they're like I don't think they're like getting after it, getting after it. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't no, think that like that's but their deal. There are some cities listen, when I go to Miami next week, I'm going out. I, I like I, I think that Memphis the guys in Memphis definitely went out, you'd think, but like I don't I don't know. Like I don't get the impression the guys on that team are like, you know, getting after it, getting after it, you know? Yeah, they they seem to be they they strike me as basketball guys. They do strike me as bad. But there are some cities that that you know you're just gonna go out. All right, you know? Tony. I think that's. I think we gotta call it in an hour forty three or so, like an hour forty. I that's mean, you, been, do you have do you have any great. like crazy draft takes you want to fire off real quick before we go? No, because we have to do a draft. Um, I I am kind of on the Apollo train. Yeah, Paulo's great. Paulo's great. But yeah, we'll we'll do a, we'll do more of a dedicated yeah, we like, draft one at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. We we need we need the season to start because we're still like two weeks away, two and a half weeks away. We we need to see a little bit more. I think. Um, we, Chet is still my guy, though. It's just going to take him. I want Chet. The, my my crazy draft take is that I think I want Chet and Poku on the same team. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, i need it i mean that'd be great i'm, I'm like in the, uh, that'd be the most fun scenario for me yeah and i and i want them running pick and roll with each other oh they could too they definitely could yeah they could they absolutely could oh my god like you'd have like a combined 200 pounds in that pick and roll <laughs> we started on poku and we're ending on poku i love it yeah Fort- 14 feet and two, 200 pounds of pick and roll between Poku and Chat Hunger. They legit, like, it would be 14 feet and might not be 400 pounds. <laughs> legit. Like, that's real. <laughs> like, that is definitely real. Oh, my God. Uh, Tony. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. T- tell the people where they can find your work. 
You can find me at The Athletic, and you can find me at T. Jones T. T Jones on the NBA on Twitter, and you can find me at T. Jones Athletic on Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook. But my daughter said that only old people use Facebook. I'll say this, man. Like I don't, I haven't had a Facebook in seven or eight years, something like that. It's been a while. So what you're saying is that my daughter is correct. I think your daughter is right on that. But like, oh, look, like that's me, okay. like uh, being, you know, I've, I've never been, never been a huge fan of Facebook's tactics. Well, let's let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I told you know when my daughter turned 17 and you know i wished her a happy birthday uh, on facebook had her picture up and all that stuff and i was like do you want to go on facebook and and say thank you she's like ill no <laughs> i said no she was like she was like dad if i'm ever on facebook it would just represent the low point of my existence <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I was just like, okay, great. I just don't even know. I, that's amazing. That's, that, I mean, that has to be how we end the podcast, right? Like, that's got to be it. Yeah, that's that's how we end the podcast. There's nothing better. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back uh, later this week. I'm going to do a deep dive into the rookie class with uh, our good friend of the program, Matt Penny, uh, as we wait for the college basketball season and NBA draft stuff to kick in. But until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.